0: And thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Angley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy?
1: Ryan, I'm doing great. I feel a little bit like we're repeating the same episode over and over and over again,
0: right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Would you call it an, an eternal recurrence something like is, that, is that what, yeah, yeah. So no actually like Very interesting
1: surprisingly we've never done an episode on frederick nietzsche for, for different reasons for both of us but this is our for different reasons much requested frederick nietzsche <laughs> yes. episode
0: yeah yeah this is a, this is our first one so yeah for di- for two different reasons and so i'm going to tell my my story first the reason is and it's completely i think nietzsche would appreciate this um as we'll get into um as as much as uh, as he is in uh Invested in the idea of the uh, like the personal and the uh, and and the and the individual to an extent, and not the prescriptive. I think he would be fine with this. So there was someone in college when I was an undergrad who decided they were going to be my rival, and all in the English department, and all that they oh, they just talked about Nietzsche all the time. Nietzsche, 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 and 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 their end goal. I, I don't know if it was the Nietzsche that I found offensive like the, the just like constant reliance it, i found it like insufferable yeah. but it was also this person their end goal as a was to sit on an ethics board of have a hospital and make shit tons of money i think i'm quoting exactly this person and i did like so that i thought was offensive too and i and i just so my my nietzsche thing i have read him but my nietzsche thing is just bound up with this guy yeah. so we finally got. I, I think it had been a number of requests over the years, and finally, so I th- it thought I would take this opportunity. You to, finally broke down. Uh, reacquaint my. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was reacquaint. You know, I'm 35 now. I think I gotta let that let that go. Yeah. It's like the you know the mo- the more common, the more common uh, species of this phenomenon is like, oh, I don't like that band because everyone I knew in high school who liked that right. band sucked. Right. And it's it's like right. don't let. Don't let other people be either because they like something or don't like something. Don't let them take it away from you, I think would probably be my advice. I think Nietzsche would actually appreciate I know. that advice. When I, uh, when I loved yeah.
1: Titanic, people said to me, but all these like <laughs> teenage girls go to see. I said, well, that's fine. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I thought they thought that that was going to steal it from me, but you can't let them. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think you can let who else no. likes it steal it from you. Like, I think that's. Or doesn't
0: like it. Or doesn't
1: like it. Even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my yeah. my need to things a little more embarrassing, sadly. So <laughs> Hillary, we had she, okay, she, yeah. we had just moved out to Los Angeles, or I had just moved out. She was already there a couple of years. She was going to USC. I was just uh, being a kind of a near do well, and uh, okay. and she was doing these uh, recorded diaries. So she would tape herself, and so one time she goes, just sit down with me and talk, and so it lasted for I don't know twenty thirty minutes, and then she's she. she she played it back to herself and I'm kind of in the other room. couldn't really stand to look at it, but I could, I kept hearing myself go as Nietzsche says, blah, blah. And I said it like five times in 20 minutes. And I said, okay, I said to her, I said, do I say that? she's like, all you, you, you don't know that you say it all the time. And so I said, I'm never quoting Nietzsche ever again. And so I kind of, <laughs> I kind of held to that. Like I kind of, for a long yeah. time, I didn't, and in, in in the last couple of years of teaching something happened in class and I felt like oh, I got to say something but uh yeah so that's why I was really reluctant to do an episode because it would bring back that uh, back that traumatic memory and that's yeah. so, so we're, we're now we're we're, we're going in- forward
0: It is interesting like so we um I think uh it's an interesting uh refutation of something so we're uh, focusing today this is um going to be sort of a a, a general uh Nietzsche episode but we're going to focus um heavily on uh beyond good and evil uh leaving open the possibility of doing another book uh in, in the future so this should not be considered i would say just on the outset it's um as as i like to phrase it this would be we're, we're shooting for representative rather than comprehensive with this because with this book, there are right, p- right. with this yeah with the book especially and i think with Nietzsche uh as a as a thinker um but i think we're 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 a slight refutation of uh of, of something that he says very very early on in the book which is how could anything originate out of its opposite so this entire episode i think is uh, originating out of uh you and i for different reasons just foreclosing nietzsche right. from our uh, right. from from our thoughts right. so um but it's uh, it's pretty fascinating like so our, there there's a lot of things we want to get into some uh uh some recent criticism of nietzsche that we want to kind of hand check and um some Things that uh, I don't know. We want to f- emphasize, I'll just put this here. There is a tension, particularly in this book, in Nietzsche, uh, between being a thinker of multiplicity and a thinker of, a, of dialectical contradiction. And it is that tension that I, speaking for you, I, that we find most interesting. And we're going to try to draw that out in the book. Um, and I, I think the things that, the things that, um, the things that i mean we're gonna to get to this right in the beginning the things that uh he is uh criticized for um uh, particularly from from the political left as him being a a, a con- conservative or, or right-wing thinker I, I think almost exclusively are the areas where he is uh most multiple and i think the things that are um redemptive is the only word that that, that uh is coming to mind but i I don't think it's that extreme. The things that are most redemptive, I think are the things where it's the the tension with the with the dialectic and him uh uh trying trying to work out exactly this thing that I just said. How can something originate from its opposite and it's that it's that word originate that is important and I think indicates uh, like a, a high degree of engagement with the idea of dialectical contradiction. Cause he's not saying emerge from the opposite. He's saying originate. Right. So like that there is something originary in opposition, which is, I think something he grapples with and that is in some ways getting far afield, but I just wanted to stick that out there yep. as uh, some principles of our investigation. Yeah. It's a good point.
1: And it also shows how opposed we are to the Deleuzean, uh, way of reading, Deleuze in his book, little book on Nietzsche says a commentator on Nietzsche must above all avoid any kind of pretext for dialecticizing his thought. So we've already, yeah. we've already uh, we've, <laughs> already we've violated. already violated the Deleuzean position. So we it, because I think we think you know, if we thought that Nietzsche was just a pure thinker of the what Deleuze calls the plural or the multiple, then I think mm. we would mm-hmm. we would estimate that there was less valuable in his thought just to put not too fine a yeah. point on it. So I think that that's, we're going to, we're going to, so if you think that about Nietzsche, then this is going to be uninteresting for you to listen to, because we're going <laughs> to, we're going to push this way that this idea, as you said, Ryan, of a tension between the dialectical Nietzsche and the pluralist or multipleist Nietzsche, mm-hmm. multiple Nietzsche. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so why we're starting there is because I think the, um, uh, the Nietzsche of multiplicity has is, is come under uh political fire. So what, what, what is the, can you lay that out? What's what, how has he been brought into like current, uh, like d- uh, debate? Yeah. So one, uh, I think, uh, I think a yeah.
1: lot of it is, so it's, there it comes from two directions. So one of it, one, one direction is a critique of the way that the left allowed itself through figures like Deleuze, Lacan, Lacan less, I guess. Um, Derrida Foucault allowed itself to be influenced by Nietzsche, who was a right-wing thinker. Right. So that's the, that's one of the main okay. but but the other line of criticism, and this is there's a recent book by Ronald Biner called Dangerous Minds, which he's taken the title from a white savior film, which I think is a little ominous, but <laughs> I don't think he intentionally <laughs> took the title for that film. Uh, Probably not. Uh, no. It's reviewed on Jacobin, it's a relatively sympathetic review, but uh not totally. But it's it's called dangerous minds. Sometimes like uh, Nietzsche, Heidegger, and the far right, or return of the far right, or something. And 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 the claim of Beiner's claim is that the book is basically a patient going through and showing how Nietzsche and Heidegger are really right wingers. But the o- the mm-hmm. overall arc uh, arc structure of it is that mm-hmm. uh, that these contemporary far right wingers like the Putin's minister and the guy who, that what says the guy's name? I've totally forgotten his name. Uh, Alexander, whatever. Uh, The Great. (laughs) That's not it. Um, uh, Sorry. uh, I can't believe I've forgotten that. Anyway,
0: uh, all these... Alexander Madison? (laughs) I think he's a (laughs) mid-round. if you want to get Um, him early because Dalvin Cook might get... Sorry. Okay, okay. Um,
1: Anyway, the point is that there's these right-wing thinkers around the... Like far right-wing thinkers around the world have taken to... Nietzsche and Heidegger and 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 are, are reawakening their thought, especially the way in which they're this, especially this anti egalitarian dimension, especially of Nietzsche's thought. And so that's, mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. where Beiner's critique is coming from that that not only is not is Nietzsche not an appropriate basis for leftism, he's in fact a genuine basis for this return of the far right in, like Charlottesville mm-hmm. or whatever, like they. they they're, they're mm-hmm. chanting Nietzschean Heideggerian kind of chants according to this, this position.
0: Yeah. So this is really interesting. I mean, to yoke them two to, to, together, uh, is, well, to, okay. Uh, to, to ignore, for example, obviously, uh, Heidegger, I think you have a, a, a stronger claim because of his avowed Nazism, as everyone knows, but like, it, you're gonna just ignore. I'm, can I? Yeah, I'm read a little bit because. D-
1: just let me add while you're yeah. gonna get it. Like, yeah, Heidegger's not just an avowed Nazi. Like we have the Black Notebooks. He's 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 openly anti-Semitic, and I think the only reason yeah. why people didn't see it so clearly was because he had s- several Jewish students who he, with whom he was very close, and of course Hannah Arendt is, was a Jewish lover. So I think that and Arendt did her part to cover up his. His anti-Semitism, I think. So he, or maybe she, didn't even know about it. So I think there's a that, that that's become very clear. And Nietzsche, in contrast, as you're gonna say,
0: mm. yeah, this is like, um, yeah, this is an amazing part. Okay, so like this book is written in 1886, and I'm gonna read this, and I'm gonna preface this by saying, so was it Nietzsche dies in 1900? 1900. That, am I read about that.
1: Yeah, but okay. he was insane so, from
0: 89 to 1900
1: so he did not had no lucid okay. moments
0: so i will put it this way even if you woke up if you brought if you brought nietzsche back if you could have done this in 1950 and you were bringing back either the insane nietzsche or the earlier nietzsche um neither one of them would have been surprised if you told them about the holocaust they would not. They'd have been like, of course it happened. And I'm here's the here's the proof. All right. So this is on uh, Todd and I. Um, I think some people like to know this. Uh, the edition and the translation that we uh, read for today, uh, is the Cambridge text in the History of Philosophy Beyond Good and Evil, edited by Rolf Peter Hortzman and Judith Norman. That's my uh, NPR. Okay, floor, so good. I'm Very good. Uh, so. Um, Okay, so here we go. This is him criticizing uh, Germany. This is in the a, a, a section called uh, Peoples and Fatherlands uh, 141. Uh, please forgive the fact that during a short and risky stay in a badly infected region, you're going to get to what that means, the infection, I did not completely escape this illness either, and like everyone else, started worrying about things that were none of my business, the first sign of political infection. About the Jews, for instance, just listen. I have yet to meet a German who was well disposed toward Jews. And however unconditional the rejection of genuine anti-Semitism might be on the part of every prudent or political person, such prudence and politics are not really aimed at anti-Semitic sentiment in general, but instead at its dangerous excess, and especially at the outrageous and disgraceful expression of this excessive sentiment. This cannot be denied that Germany has ample quantities of Jews, that the German stomach and the German blood have difficulty and will continue for a long time to have difficulty coping even with this number of Jews as the Italians, the French, the British have coped due to stronger digestion. That might be kind of him. Uh, This is the clear statement and language of a universal instinct that needs to be listened to and acted on. Uh, And he gets on to to more of this, but uh, but also supports at the end of this... um, he he, su- he supports ending the uh, the the specter of the the wandering Jew by giving Jewish people a place uh, to live that needs to be uh, a a, a pr- practical and appropriate uh, f- uh, to escape this kind of uh, this anti-Semitism. The the infection that he was talking about is anti-Semitism itself, uh, which he I, I to to his credit, I think. Um, admits that he was in a political atmosphere where he himself became, uh, you know, he says infected, but he came to not see it as so unreasonable. And then I think, uh, like, rejects it by also including himself in it and showing how seductive and intoxicating it can be. And I I just think, like, you know, this is one of the principles that have come up uh, as the years we've been doing the show. Like, I'm very attracted to... uh, political critique where the person doing the critique includes themselves in it. Right. Because I think if you don't do that, if you don't admit a little bit, even just a little bit that you're part of the problem, then it, it, you, you fall victim really easy, easily into grandstanding. And and that's like, that's a nice place to be because what you get to do is you get to, uh, you get to erect a, a binary from which you are never on the wrong side. Right. And I think that, um, I think a little bit, like I haven't read the book, the, the binary book that you're talking about, but like, I, I do think you have to not include statements such as that from Nietzsche to make it really clear that he's on the bad side of the binary and that, and, and you can't, you also can't allow for the idea that like people on the far right have an idea of what they're looking for. And there is in this text like, like radically individual. I even started this way talking about him, like radically individualist things like, like he, like he, he, what is it? Like you can, if you have in your mind that anti-Semitism and racism is okay uh, and, and cool, uh, what, like, what is it? He has, I want to make sure I've got the right page number. Ah, yeah. Okay. On 119 when he says that what is right for someone can absolutely cannot be right for someone else. The requirement that there be a single morality for everyone is harmful, precisely to higher men. In short, that there is an order of rank between people and between moralities as well. So, just uh, like if you are a Nazi and you are coming at that, you think that's an absolute validation of everything you think. And then the part where he's against anti Semitism ah, whatever he must have been confused because he also said he was into it a little right, bit. Right, Maybe you would focus right? on no, that. No, you are absolutely right. And, I, and I, yeah, yeah, and and I and I just think that like like you know more more needs to be put into the, like, if you have a, um, okay. I'm predisposed to thinking this way because of, uh, what happened to me when I suffered the traumatic brain injury, like, like immediately after and and dealing with the things afterwards. But like you have to understand, people have to understand that when you hear anything, there is a mesh in your brain. There is a, there is a filter that everything comes through And that is determinative of how you hear things. And if you don't think that that's true, like just think about every time you've misheard a song lyric because you've put something in a song that wasn't actually there, but you put it there without even knowing because it made sense to you based on what you already know. So like more I would say less attention needs to be paid to like, oh, who are really the secret Nazis and let's kick them out of all thought. And I think more attention needs to be what is precisely the coordinates of the Nazi filter that would read someone being clearly anti anti anti-Semitic and then just encrust on them. A project of racism and anti-Semitism, right. like right. that, that thing needs to be paid attention to more. And I think that there's just no way that when Nietzsche wrote that thing about like you can't impose a morality on someone else, there's just no way that he thought someone taking up that slogan would be an anti semitic Right? Person. No. I just I, and I think that that's the weakness right. of the it's, idea. That's absolutely something. correct. That he thought
1: he thought that that was a way to counter. The anti-Semite, mm. not to, not to yes. support the anti-Semite. Yes. You know that his... Yes. So I, I, I lament one popular... I mean, there's a lot of bad popular culture inter, you know uh, references to Nietzsche. And there's one that comes in a mm. movie that I quite like because it's a disaster film called The Day After Tomorrow. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah. Is it called The Day After Tomorrow? Yeah, The Day After Tomorrow.
0: Oh, you bet it uh, is.
1: Yeah, and they're, they're burning books in the New York library to keep themselves warm so they don't die. And they, this one uh, young high school girl gets the books of Friedrich Nietzsche, and that occasions a fight with an older man. And he's like, "We're not burning Nietzsche." Yeah. And she goes, "Yeah." He, what did she say? She says something, but she goes, "He's a he's an old misogynist who was in love with his sister." And, and the guy, defend, mm. he's like, well, he wasn't really a misogynist. You got to read more carefully. She go, and then she goes, but he loved, was in love with his sister. And then the guy doesn't say anything. And, and I, I was like, what a <laughs> joke. It's so funny. Like his sister took care of him. And when he had lost his mind, yeah. but he absolutely hated her and he hated his mother <laughs> and he hated his, especially hated his brother-in-law who was a real pre-Nazi. Like he was a real, like, Man. so his name was Hans Forster. And and, and okay. his, his, his sister's name is Elizabeth Nietzsche, Forse, Forster Nietzsche. And, and interestingly, mm-hmm. that there is a connection between Nietzsche and Hitler because Nietzsche's mother gave the cane. Sorry, I think it's Nietzsche's sister. Mm-hmm. Nietzsche's sister gave the cane that Nietzsche walked around mm-hmm. at the end of his life to Hitler. Mm-hmm. And then oh, Hitler okay. came to the funeral of Nietzsche's mother. Hitler came to the okay. funeral So there is an interesting connection but it was all out of Nietzsche's hands, right? Like he didn't yeah. it was this thing imposed on him by the people taking care of him. So it's a That's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating, you know, non connection that then gets made into a connection.
0: Todd, can I just like I want to I want to underline this, like that this was kind of retroactively imposed on on, uh, on Nietzsche by the people taking care of him. I kind of think, so, okay, um, as you know, because uh, temporarily speaking, we cut an episode that's not uh, on our feed yet, but you know how much I love the television series Lost. Yes. One of the things that's really beautiful about the way that Lost ends is there's a character named Hurley who the audience really connected to Uh, in our terminology. Like, the, they had a lot of investment in yeah. him, and he kind of came on to be, like, he asked a lot of questions on the show that were, like, Things the fans were uh, were asking, and um, he, I, I think, became like kind of a proxy for the fans. And so, like at the end of the show, he is like put in charge of like taking care of the island that they that they're stuck on. And it's I always thought of this as a really beautiful gesture, where like the show is giving its legacy, like it's giving the island over to the fans, like and you have to take yeah, care of this. that's nice. And like and and I and I do and I think that. So much of, like, I think, so, I don't know. I just think so much of where we're at with like the just this whole long history of philosophy is like, how are we going to take care of it? Are we going to take care of it in a way or we're going to give the cane over to Hitler and we're going right. to like, we're going to actively court? We're going to court this dimension. Is that how we're going to take yeah. care of it? Or Are we going to take care of it in a different way? Because I think like there, um, there's, there's a way. I I kind I don't know. I I would bring this together with our. Um, like a long time ago, the, like the red squiggle, right? Like who get there's Nietzsche does not get the red squiggle no, on, no, not at all on Microsoft word. So he's, he's a part clear. That's according to our logic. That means he's a part of ideology. But I think that that whole idea needs to be uh, like uh, deepened a little bit by saying this, that like, um, even if you're a thinker who doesn't get a red squiggle, Foucault, for example, Deleuze, uh like there are reds, there are red squiggle ways of understanding those yeah thinkers who are part of ideology. So I think that like, I think how do you take care of someone? Is that like I think you try to like you try to lift out the red squiggle. You try try to lift out the thing that goes against uh a little bit what um what what the the ideological version is. It to the extent that it is uh like appropriate and and like I I don't think like. Like what rent did, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't think counts for what I'm suggesting right. because right. what she was trying to do was uh, in, ingratiate him and install him into ideology. And I think that like the that's what Nietzsche's family did was like try to bring him into the dominant uh, political tie sure. of the time. Sure. And, and that's the that is not that is not that is not uh, uh, the red squiggle Nietzsche. And I think that like uh, that's kind of the again for me and you. I think that's sort of like the interest in in a thinker like this. What's the what's the red squig? What are the red squiggle aspects of Nietzsche?
1: Yeah, I'll put it that. I think that okay. So I think that a couple things that that get articulated here, and I mean, one is the way, one is the critique of Christianity. So he famously says in his book Antichrist. Mm -hmm. That's a different book, but he says there's only one Christian. He died on the cross. So it's not like he's. Mm anti-Christ so much as and this is the one thing he's becomes very famous for he's very much anti-Paul and he's anti-Plato mm-hmm. and then the very beginning of this book he says Christianity is Platonism for the masses right like that yeah uh, uh, and that I think is his and, and so what he what he doesn't like about Christianity is I think interestingly the same thing he doesn't like about capitalism that he thinks that both are mm-hmm. leveling philosophies right that they level everything mm-hmm. out and that they don't allow for any kind of singularity and I think he doesn't I think we would want to make a distinction between singularity and individuality or singularity and the mm-hmm. individual but he doesn't yeah. do that like for him right and I I, I, th- I I don't think he's wrong about that I don't think he's wrong about I mean I think he's wrong about Christianity but I don't think he's wrong about the way capitalism works and that the way capitalism mm-hmm. has this fundamental leveling, and I think that's what he's. So he's a he's an anti-modern, and and I think Heidegger. That I, I do want to. This comes back to something that that the the book that lumps Heidegger and Nietzsche together. I think the one thing that I think is distinct about them. So I did. I just said Nietzsche is anti-modern. I don't think that's exactly true. I think Heidegger's definitely anti-modern, but I think Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. And this I think one of the things that we would want to preserve in him is that he wants to go through modernity. Like he's not. Like when he's critiquing what he calls a master and a slave morality, he's not saying let's return back to the age of the master morality and get out of this Christian. He thinks of Christianity as a slave morality because it, he thinks it wants to bring everything down to the same base level, and he likes this. He mm-hmm. likes this morality that wants to separate, like be different, and yeah. Uh, but I don't think he wants to return to a to a kind of relation uh, uh, a master morality i think instead he wants to he wants to find a way toward a new morality and he like he has this line he says where are the where are the real tyrants of the 19th century this is not in beyond good evil and 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 everyone reads and they're like oh great there weren't enough real tyrants no but what he means is someone who's willing to be tyrannical to themselves and i think that's Mm. when you point out the dialectical dimension of his thought i think that's. Where it lies, and I think that's also that's that's a kind of morality beyond both the master morality and the slave morality. So in that sense, I don't think he's he's like hyper modern, right? Hyper modernity, mm. like he he wants to go fully into them and find something new within the modern world that won't be capitalist leveling, but will be something beyond that. So I think there there, which would be this like tyranny towards oneself. I kind of like there you know that's I kind of like that.
0: Yeah, well that idea is really important because um one of the things that like I was struck by like you know repeatedly and you can see how, where this would have um influenced Adorno and and uh, Frankfurt school is that like he you know he has this line uh, somewhere in Beyond Good and Evil that like uh not like the, the nothing that is common can uh, he doesn't phrase it this way but he doesn't think anything that's common that could ever be radical yeah. or transformative because it's common. And that that is like so it's this idea that like once so you get this kind of um, you get this elitism that like once something is like for the people, it's trash. And that like you, you you know, anything that is like for for the masses is uh, is, is not worth holding on to. Now, like there is a way of understanding that that like I think like you and I are very much against, which is that like the it's the having to understand the the radical and the popular is like one of the most important yeah. moves to make. Yeah. And, and he, he definitely disallows that. He does not that. allow for that. Right. Um, right. He does not allow for that at all. But in what you just said, um, it is important to think like, cause you can look at it and you could look at him in two ways. So I'm just going to lay this out. And then I want you to, to, to respond based on this this last thing that you said, you, he is very much against philosophical systems, but then he totally has a hierarchy of people and and hierarchy of, of ways of living that he lays out. And I think those two things seem to be in a really sharp conflict and the hierarchy of people, like the, like, I mean, he says it this way, like, of course, like, again, this lends itself to the conservative, uh thing like the, the 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 left critique of him which is like he talks all the time about higher men who also talks like that like <laughs> right. be nazis you know like that's kind of inescapable but like i think it's because he is against being a systematic thinker that there's, I think that's actually one of the things that uh, Deleuze is attracted Absolutely. to. Absolutely, is that he's not a systematic thinker, right. but that is the, precisely the vulnerability in the thought and why it, it could be appropriated into a Nazi project. Because what he, he okay, so I guess I want to, I'm going to put the answer in the question. Okay, would you say when he's talking about higher men and like and and this thing that like he is talking about people who are willing to be tyrannical to themselves, is that what he's trying to get on? I think that's
1: right right? Like, I think that, I I think you have to understand it as higher for him means willing to suffer more, willing to, willing to take a more yeah. of a slice out of oneself, right? Like, I think, so if you understand it that way, then it, it ceases to be so, or, or like, uh, so this is this is another term he uses every choice human being right like that's like this every mm-hmm. choice yeah. human being strives instinctively for a citadel and secrecy where he is rescued from the crowds the many the vast majority whereas the exception he can forget the human norm so okay on the one hand that seems pretty terrible right but but on the other hand what he isn't he basically saying like that that the, this person who's more tyrannical to themselves needs somewhere to escape this capitalist leveling machine that turns everything into a commodity, right? Like, I mean, you could, just, right. you could just read it that other way, which I think is part of what he, part of what he means. So I think that there's something appealing about that, right? Like there's something, <clears throat> you know, you know I, I don't think conformity is a leftist value, right? And I think that's what yeah. makes Nietzsche make sense to me. Like, I don't, I think, you know what I'm saying? That's Like, good. I don't think, yeah, yeah, yeah and I think there are absolutely. people that think, no actually so communism or socialism is conformity to a certain new kind of norm but i just don't think it, it, mm-hmm. it, it it's to me it's not very appealing if that's what it is
0: yeah and i don't think well i mean i don't think structurally it has to be like that like and that's 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 the um it's funny like that's the right wing uh image attack of it line. right like if you yeah 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 and it's it's kind of like um so i I've seen this online like people done like a pretty good job that like if you you went back to the nineteen eighties that like what was the what was the um the propaganda version of communism that America was set up against is like oh you don't you don't own your own car, you don't own your own home like it's all it's all shared and then people are are like so what's uber <laughs> and what's what's airbnb like like what are like what are the, these things that people are, are 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 doing to try to like make it through capitalism, like in in, the, in its oppressive leveling? And I think that like that I, I I think that you're right that like that Nietzsche sees that and that, like that's well worth extracting, yeah. into a, a a left politics and a, and a, and a left theory is to because what are the what are the, the what are the conservatives do when they when they read. Nietzsche is that they wanna see this like again this like absolute preference for multiplicity this like you know you can't you know you don't have the what's right for someone is not right for another person they wanna they wanna insist on this like i like really this like uh this absolute difference um while ha- maintaining a system of crushing flattening like that's like that's the thing i mean we we kind of talked about that in your when we talk about racist fantasy like that's the uh that's the that's the wrapper that's the candy wrapper. Right around the around the shit sandwich like that's the that's the thing that that capital tries uh tries to impress upon people i mean i would say in in you need to understand that like impress as like like a literal physical flag right. because that's right i think yeah it's is, such that, a great that's way to it put does. it i think
1: like i think that the it's interesting that the great champion of nietzsche among the pro-capitalist uh whatever team is ann rand right like she's like <laughs> Atlas yeah. shrugged is just a, basically a panegyric to Nietzsche but also to capitalism. And so but in order to in right. order to have that those twin affections she just has to write out all of Nietzsche's critique of capitalism leveling, right? Like she can she yeah. can of course accept yeah. she was atheist, she accepts his critique of Christianity, but she can't like he could never see in capitalism what she sees in it, right? He he could never embrace yeah. it in the way that she does. But but I think by contrast the leftist, like Deleuze, who lo- who loves Nietzsche, has to forget about the, the diatribe against equality <laughs> that that runs through yeah. his work. Right. So it's an interesting mm-hmm. kind of forgetting that has to take place on both on both sides. I think I you know I I feel like that's the yeah that's the that's the danger that he poses to each position. Right. That he's he's mm-hmm. really there's something. And again, I think it's because he's a he's a right wing. Basically, he's a right wing critic of capitalism, right? And so, and he's looking yeah, for something further yeah. than capitalism.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, that's pretty fascinating. I I think that part of the so there are a couple aspects that are that are huge with this book that we need to uh, we need to tease out. Um, I, as I said, I, I do think that it is. Like, you just have to say, like, wherever you, wherever, wherever one lands on Nietzsche, like, you do have to say that, like, I, I just don't think being, what does he say? You told me this. I don't know this independently. He says death to all systematizers. Yes, death to all
1: systematizers. In a, yeah.
0: That is in, in another, uh, is that in the longer work? I, no, I don't know where I it essay.
1: is. It's, maybe it's in you, gay science okay. or something. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Maybe it's in gay science. Okay. So the, like, I, I do not think that's a value. I I, re, I think that this is like precisely why. I mean, I said this like ten minutes ago. This is this is precisely why um, he was able to be folded into the Nazi project is because he was anti-systematic uh, and like you you he had to you need to be able to think of a you need to be able to think of a system that allows for um, excess and and break like that's the right. I think the thing that he was not that's what he didn't like thinking. about systems
1: he, right that he didn't think they could allow for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, he has this, like, what is it? I, there's a line. Um, I said this to you, we said this during the, um, uh, this SART episode for a different reason, but there, the, he has a line in here that in some ways like invents Deleuze. I'm going to try to find it, um, as, as quickly as I can. Ah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, it's on page 16. Uh, <laughs> does it follow that the external world is not the product of our organs? So, um he this uh i mean that's at the end of like a longer thing but like the the external world the the the, like sartre things that are externally imposed are an issue and they cannot lead in any way to uh liberation or or emancipation uh, emancipation in any way it's not is that it cannot be folded into an emancipatory project. And he thinks the same thing. And I think that it's just interesting to, to throw to, to lash the organ thing in here, because you you know, this is the, I think it's not too hard to claim. This is where Deleuze gets the body without organs because there's this internal order that is re- also reflected in the external order. And he wants to be free from those things. And I, and I just, I think that, you know, um, d- Nietzsche's allergy to systematizing his own thought um, is what I, I think I want to say, like it, 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 it begs, um, it, it violates the thing. I love this thing he says, right. About like people who uh, philosophers, like it's, it's more, it's like, it's more vulnerable to be understood, understood
1: than not understood. Than, yeah. Yeah.
0: The not understood. I love yeah. that. I think that's such a great idea. I think it's so true, but I also think by not, by not committing to like systematic thinking, like, he, he left himself open to that. And I think it's like, it's, uh, it's a way out, you know, like, like it's, it's like the, we, we said this about Derrida, like, you know, you don't, you don't ever have to be called on something if you have all these multiple avenues to, to, to get out. Right. You know? And I, I think that's in his work a little bit. And I, I think that's a, I, like I, to me, I think it's a clear detriment. I know, I know it's something that like a lot of people like such as Deleuze and, and it's been, I think part of the, because what is it? It's generative. Right. right? I, like think I think it's part of the lasting
1: is, appeal of Nietzsche, yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. But I think it's when you when you get into like these kinds of conversations and uh, especially when you start talking about an idea like a will to power. Right. And um, and uh, what was it? Oh, What was that film? Oh, was that a was that a uh, <laughs> was that a liberatory film? <laughs> the Try Triumph the of the will? will? No, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah. wasn't. Well, I wonder, you know, so I don't know, yeah. like, like that, yeah. obviously he didn't make that yeah. film and, and, or whatever, but like, the, it's that you see why he, you see why he ends up in a book alongside Heidegger, but with, with, with that sort of, with that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that, so, that
1: that's pretty interesting, right? Like, cause even, so the, the, the place that one of the nice discussions of will to power occurs where he's critiquing Darwin and he says, mm-hmm. you know, people should think twice before thinking about the drive for self self-preservation, self-preservation as the cardinal drive of humanity instead of a living thing above once above all to discharge its strength and then he says this great line life itself is the will to power right and i think that that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's his, that's that's really his his idea but i think you're right like that like if he thought systematically i'm not sure he would be able to cling to this idea that life is is will to power and i think that idea of will—you t- yeah. know, it's it's not just—I think, to be fair to him, it's not just will to dominate, right? Like, will to power, like we were right. saying earlier, is primarily and most importantly power over oneself. So I think— Yes. That's why he has this great line in Genealogy of Morals where he says, we should never forgive Christianity for stealing asceticism away from us. Like, so there there's something mm-hmm. about asceticism, even though one of the whole essays is a—the whole essay is a critique of it— there's something about ascensism that he likes, because precisely it is this power over oneself, right? This power to, to mm-hmm. latch lash into oneself. Um, so I think that's important, but I think the idea of the way that he makes power so central, which it's become, in this sense, I think everyone is Nietzschean today, because everyone's accepted this yeah. idea— Uh, I think that's one of the real missteps. So I think that we talked about this first opposition within his thought between dialectics Mm. and multiplicity or dialectics and plurality. And then here's another nice one, right, between will to power and something like unconscious. And I think those two Now things—a lot of people think that Nietzsche basically—that Freud plagiarized Nietzsche— and Freud, Freud himself said, it, he kind of <laughs> gave it away because he said, you know, I started to read Nietzsche and I realized it was too close to what I wanted to say. So I didn't read him at all. Now, OK, uh, 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 if it's too close to what you want to say, how did you not read him to discover that? So, right. So there and uh, and actually, yeah, if you right. look at the Nietzsche, if you go to the Freud Museum in London, the, the he has he brought Nietzsche's whole the collected works over from Austria with him. So that's a, that says something in itself. And there's Mm. underlining not everywhere, but, but throughout the, throughout the volume. So there is some, I think Nietzsche's in the background, but I would say Freud is, is everything but a thinker of power, right? Like uh, Freud, Mm. Freudian unconscious desire is never this hidden will to power. So that's, I think mm-hmm. that's the tension within Nietzsche between will to power and unconscious t- and between this this you said like there's a there's a Freud wanting to come out in him, and I think that's true, yes. but there's also this Schopenhauer thinker of mm-hmm. power stuck in there, kind of controlling that Freud and not letting it get out
0: yeah, yeah there's yeah there's t- two two things I want to say in response to this. I think the um the again, this is like how do we take care? how do we take care of the of, of philosophers after they've died and, and the philosophies yeah. and the will to not thinking. And again, like I think you have to put us, you have to go again, you have to be anti, I guess I put it this way. You have to be anti Nietzschean to, to, to save Nietzsche in, in in some respects for certain ideas. So like you have to graft a system into this. So when he talks about will to power you, I think the only way to take it away from the, the kind of uh, Lenny Refenstahl, not that you know, I mean that 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 film, okay, that idea, that Nazi idea, like is to inc- has to have the dialectical relationship to the like also the power over oneself yeah. has to has to be included, absolutely has to be included, uh, and and otherwise it's just then then you just thread all the things like oh there's higher men and there's a will to dominate others i'll just put those two things together right. like that sounds like what you know and 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 i think that's like again it's it's two things it's not just the like the the audience putting something in the work and taking it out but it is a vulnerability in the text itself because of the anti systematic impulse that he had and that he showed everywhere but i think that like this this other thing about um you know the influence on freud like i think is very clear but it's all it it is it's pretty clear in the text that like there's something in philosophy and in science that nietzsche finds deeply unsatisfying and it is at the level exactly of where freud intervened so i'm just going to read some choice cuts here um which is this. Uh, so this would be on page. It's very, it's very early as well. Um, there are still harmless self observers, page 16, who believe in the existence of immediate certainties, such as I think, or the, I will that was Schopenhauer's superstition, just as if knowledge had been given an object here to seize stark naked as a thing in itself. And no falsification took place from either the side of the subject or the side of the object. That sounds great. What's there to disagree with? Uh, For once and for all, we should free ourselves from the seduction of words. I think I'm I'm reading a little bit around here. Um, Okay, Let, let the people believe that knowing means knowing to the very end. The philosopher has to say, when I dissect the process expressed in the proposition I think, I get a whole set of bold claims that are difficult, perhaps impossible to establish. For instance, that I am the one who is thinking, that there must be something that is thinking in the first place. That thinking is an activity, and the effect of a being who is considered the cause, that there is an I, and finally, that it has already been determined what is meant by thinking, that I know what thinking is. It's fantastic. I'm going to go a little bit farther on page 17. Uh, I will not stop emphasizing a tiny little fact that these superstitious superstitious men are loath to admit that when a thought comes when it wants, not when I want it is therefore a falsification of the facts to say that the subject I is the condition of the predicate think. It thinks. But to say that it is just that famous old I, well, that is just an assumption or opinion, to put it mildly, and by no means an immediate certainty. So, like, I just think he's, he's ready for psychoanalysis. Yeah, and especially because
1: that, like, he, he, he's almost saying exactly what Freud would say liter- with, with using the word, right? Because he's saying estinct. It thinks right, yes. like like the Das it S thinks. is the id for Freud. So it's yes. a really it's a what you read is really fascinating for that reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, it 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 is, and it's the and that's like you know like that also again. This is why we're emphasizing the dialectical thing. Like, doesn't that also cut against? even the will to power over oneself, because I don't know that you can have this. Like if he was a systematic thinker, I think he would just would have come up against this problem. I don't think that you can have it on one side that it thinks. And then also you can have this absolute power over yourself. Right.
1: Or where does the, where does the will to power, like will, why is will, like will is a, will is a term he gets from Schopenhauer. Right. And that like, where does that will come from? Right. Like why isn't the, why isn't will tied to consciousness? and isn't that already yeah. a problem as you've just you just yes. read for us right like i think that that yeah
0: again if he was systematic that would he he would have he would have had to grapple with yeah. that and he would have and 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 i think he would have had to come well at least this is what i would have want because this is like what i see in the text as most interesting is the dialectical thing i think he would have had to come down on the side of the id as freud calls it but it's the for people who don't know that's the it gets translated as it in english here but when freud freud's a word choice that becomes id in english is it that's right. the the that's the so it's the same it really same is the exact same exact word concept. Nietzsche
1: is using that freud used for yeah, the,
0: yeah yeah same same word and sim- similar concept i, yeah. I, I would, would put it yeah. that way i think he would ha- if, if, if he was if he had to put smash these ideas against each other I, I don't know i think the tension in the text leads me to think he's much more on the side of Right, I mean, right. I mean, for, right. I mean, for yeah.
1: everything. Then there's these other passages where he says, like, the the criminal always slanders and cheapens the the criminal's deed. Right, like there's this idea, very psychoanalytic idea, very Hegelian idea, right, that you are you're out ahead of your, your your action is out ahead of your consciousness of that action. Right, like that's I think yes. that's yeah. exactly exactly right. And then again, but then on the other side, there's this. Cri- the, the the moral the critique of morality which I'm all for it's fine right like but but he, then he says like there are absolutely no moral phenomena o- only a moral interpretation of phenomena so he he yeah. wants to say that very famously this is in his his late notebooks um, he says that there are no facts only interpretations right but uh there the problem didn't Trump say that I swear <laughs> to God I heard that well right I mean there's the problem with that but also and and that's where I think that's that maybe is one of the occasions for that book that we referenced, right? Like this, mm-hmm. th- this, oh, yeah. this, what what Nietzsche himself called perspectivalism, is I yeah. think you know he thought that it would be a way to get rid of. <laughs> this is I think this is it seems ironic or or, or just wrong, but I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's actually I think he did think this that perspectivalism is a way to overcome relativity in morality. I think yeah. that's what he thought.
0: Yeah. And that's, it. I mean, that's fascinating, Todd. No, no, please please say no, more about it, that. No, isn't it? Because right, that is right. exactly, I think that's, that's his, exactly the tension. Yeah, I think
1: that's exactly his idea. And and so, and he even says, the point is accumulating the most perspectives, and that becomes mm. the the position that has the most moral value attached to it. So, so it would be a yeah. way in which, like, you know, I, People used to say this when I was in college all the time, try to be as open-minded as you can. And in a way, that's what Nietzsche is saying, right? Like, that to really have the proper moral evaluation of something, you have to be the most open-minded. And the person who just has this one narrow moral position, well, they're going to be—that position is clearly going to be a false—what he would call a falsification. So I think, it, I, I think, yeah. I think we want to say, well, perspectivalism is relativism. But I think he would want to say, no, actually, perspectivalism is the way to save us from relativism, which I think is, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think it's a pretty radical, radical idea.
0: I think, um, I, well, I'm going to undercut that just uh, right now, um, and and ask what you think of this. Isn't, isn't that though, isn't that just liberal multiculturalism? Isn't that that belief that like, if we, if you just... I hear. I heard you sigh. Is isn't isn't that what like like or at least how do we how would you keep what Nietzsche is saying away from that? Because yeah. I think that is the the common antidote is that if we just had enough perspective. Yeah, exactly. Well, that then, well, that then, the, the 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 then the right side of history will just yeah. emerge, and no one has to be an agent or do anything. Yeah,
1: no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think you're wrong, but I, I think that's, <laughs> I mean, that's why I said I didn't agree with the position, but I do think that.
0: No, no, I, I understand. I do yeah, think yeah, that yeah, there yeah.
1: is something of Nietzsche in that that liberal multiculturalist position. I think there is. I think that that's there's a real link between. Nietzschean perspectivalism and that position that—you know, I think, and again, the, the the Hegelian psychoanalytic rebuttal, because, of course, it's not saying we should be—we should just, uh, you know, take up one culture uh, hegemonically and reject right. all others. The mm-hmm. point instead is, like, no, every—the problem is every position, every cultural—every culture has an internal fissure that— that fit in which point at which it fails that links it to every other culture, right? And I th- I think yeah. Nietzsche doesn't think that. I think his his position is much more additive rather than subtractive yeah. in that way. And I think that's the that's why it does fit. I think you're right to say it fits with this liberal multiculturalist position. Ironically, because again, he was a right winger. He wasn't. He was, and he was anti liberal for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um it's interesting i mean i think like this is where so you know we've said that like where where he um you know where where he gets into like the dialectical tension of his own thought is where we find him most interesting and where he comes down on the side of like this uh this multiple this one and then another one and then this thing and another thing and another thing and then we don't look at like this any kind of like a intrinsic uh opposition between them or within them is where we find him a little bit less interesting. I think I want to put because we brought the psychoanalytic thing and uh, piece into this, I want to say where he errs on the side of consciousness instead of the unconscious, which is not his fault for not having the name for, but he's clearly like thinking about it. I think that's where yeah. I, I would say he where he errs and he doesn't i don't know like i, I, I like he he doesn't trust himself enough. I would say on, on this because he is starting to articulate this idea of, of the, what Freud will extract and, and, and put into a system right. of the, of the unconscious. Um, and you know, especially like the, the, the early statements of the, of the it. And you can tell like, cause not every section within section, like they don't always follow each other. Right. Like logically, right. like he come, it's like a, this text is a lot like there's a, there's a boomerang aspect to it where things will come back where you don't expect it to and like you thought you lost a thread and it'll come back or you think you're on a thread, but then it's over. But I think that anyway, like where, where he, he's, he's against, he openly against uh, privileging consciousness to the way, to the degree that he sees other philosophers Absolutely. do. But I think in, in those, in, 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 in this idea of, of uh, perspectivalism, like that is kind of just his way like I think he he doesn't run away from that problem. I think it runs headlong into the problem of like accumulating conscious moments, and 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 rather than like uh you know interrogating the unconscious, which again not his fault, like as he's writing before psychoanalysis, but like again the seeds of it are in his thought. But he doesn't. I, I think because of the I keep coming back to this because the last the the lack of the the, the systematic thing. Like he doesn't. I don't think he probes his own ideas as much as he's like kind of tearing down other people, which I also gather is a thing people like. I about think Nietzsche people like it. About that. I think
1: that's right. I think that's right. Like he, yeah. Like if he didn't have Christianity to attack, would it would he even be Friedrich Nietzsche? I don't know. It's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I mean, like like, like
0: <laughs> Nietzsche, the the Christianity
1: reply. <laughs> that, and I I think what you're saying is is it's, it's really good. I mean, in in his. The image that he has, like, okay, so I think he gives in this book an image of what he thinks is the the most important or the position that one should strive to occupy. So this is what he says. He says, greatest of yep. all is the one who can be the most solitary, the most hidden, the most different, the person beyond good and evil, we get the titular phrase, uh, the master That's of his amazing. virtues, the one with an abundance of will. Only this should be called greatness, the ability to be just as multiple as the whole just as wide as full mm-hmm. so so you get it all there i think right you get this like it's all right you get there, this yes. idea of self mastery but you also get this mm-hmm. idea of self transparency which shouldn't be true right like that shouldn't that ability to master your own like he the, from what you've read earlier it's all about how about one is it. not the master of one's own virtues right so yeah, uh, yeah. so that's and, and and it's interesting how he wants to link that to multiplicity, just like I said, like this idea of like you're multiple, per- you are multiple in yourself. You've taken in these multiple perspectives in yourself. So I think that that's mm-hmm. to me that's his that's his philosophical ideal, moral ideal even. Mm-hmm. And I I think that there it, it it is inconsistent because it's inconsistent with the way he thinks that he wants to theorize the impossibility of that in this what you point to early in the book psychoanalytic moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's really, it's just really interesting. I mean, I, I think that like, it, it, again, and I'm like, sorry to keep coming back to this, but like if he, if he was thinking about like, you can read this book and it's like really clear that um like the, the, the multiple is in the, is in the form itself. It's in the like, like it, that each section of the book is in each moment. in each section is like kind of its own thing and it's because he's not thinking of threading them together that i that i just think it doesn't occur that like he can't have the he can't have the it he can't have this i i when i say i think and when i say i speak and when i am doing things that it's not i who's doing it it's some it's some it like that he can't have that and then also this like fully conscious like, self mastery and a uh, uh, project and and this the the everything that goes along with that and the like accumulation of co- like the, the it has to be a conscious accumulation of perspectives it it can't be this like uh it it can't be th- this exploration of i mean he even used the word drive like a, a lot, lot like I mean, right? I mean i know you haven't read this i know you haven't read this in German but it's probably tried, sure it's true i would yeah. imagine
1: yeah
0: yeah, so like there his again, the death to all systematizers, this like, this allergy to, um, to like probing universality, like it, 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 and the way, even the way that he writes, just like the form of it, it it ends up being like aphoristic, which again, I like a lot of people like, and I think he likes about it. Like the section, like the middle section of this book is just like epigrams and
1: aphorisms, right? Like it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's a whole chapter of the book that's just about, (laughs) it just has epigrams in it.
0: There's just, yeah, any, any, and like, I just kind of, I don't know, like, like I, like I read, like I, I read this and I just kind of wish, like, could you have, st- he used the it thinks as a cudgel to beat other philosophers, but he didn't bring it in to himself. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that was I think problem. it's
1: true. I think it's true. Yeah. I mean, he also doesn't, this is related to that. Like, I don't think that he thinks that this exactly what you're saying. Like, he doesn't apply his own Thinking to himself, this is why this this famous statement, like there 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 aren't no facts, or only interpretations, or there's no morality for Mm -hmm. everyone, or what is right for someone absolutely cannot be right for someone else, right? Okay, so that statement, which comes from the middle of the book,
0: that that, I think it comes from Facts of Life, Todd. We talked about this,
1: (laughs) but the problem is, isn't the problem that that itself is already a statement about saying what must be right for someone, right? Like he's he's violating in the form of the statement, the content of what he's trying to articulate. So I think that, that he doesn't yeah. think through, and you've said this in different ways, like he doesn't include himself in his statement, even though at times he does. But mm-hmm. I think in these, in the, when he gets to this relativistic or, or perspectival dimension of what he wants, not relativistic, but perspectival dimension of what he wants to say, I think he do, that's when he can't include himself in what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, I, can I, can I yeah. read from the introduction yeah. here? Because I think it's, it's germane to this. So it's a really good introduction to this book. I always appreciate when a book is a good introduction. Um, and so this is written by uh, Rolf Peter Hortzman. Um, and this... Uh, so he's underlining the things that Todd and I are saying, and then I think he has a kind of a response to it. So that... will we'll get into to, to the response. So um, according to uh, these critics... um which is, a, a, he's referring to critics uh, the, of Nietzsche who do not, who see in him this like, this uh, allergy of, uh, of truth, okay? Um, so according to these critics, Nietzsche's perspectival conception of truth endorses the following three statements. One, there is no absolute or objective truth. Two, what is taken to be truth is nothing but a fiction, that is, a perspectival counterfeit or forgery of what really is the case. And three, claims one and two are true these three statements together seem to imply the paradoxical claim that it is true and that there is no truth. So the critic argues, I think you and I are arguing that. So we're included in this. Um, However, when read in light of the preceding remarks, a much less extravagant interpretation of Nietzsche's theory of truth suggests itself, which is completely independent of the issue of whether he really subscribes to these three statements. On this interpretation, Nietzsche's theory claims only one, that there are no context free truths, where a context is to be defined as the set of subjective conditions that the utterer of a truth is governed by, and that anyone who wishes correctly to judge it is able to apprehend. It also claims, too, that as, as an utterer or judger of a truth, we are never in a position to be familiar with with a context in its entirety, that is, with all the conditions that define it, and therefore we have to settle for an incomplete version of a context where the degree of incompleteness depends on differences between our capacities to understand ourselves and others. From this, it follows that three, given our situation, every truth is defined by necessarily incomplete context, thus every truth is a partial truth or a perspectival fiction. So that's the I mean that's a real defense yeah. of Nietzsche against yeah. the the claim so uh yeah let's i I've been reading so how how do you respond well i would first? just
1: say he he, he thinks he's slipped out of the problem but he hasn't at all because he's he's like he's like every truth is just a is a contextual one but then that claim has to be also just a contextual claim right so it's yeah. I, I mean yeah. I, I don't think there's any way I, and it, this comes back to i think the the problem of trying to articulate a meta-language, which Lacan famously articulates, yeah. there is no meta-language, but, but Hegel really is the first to show that there is no meta-language. And I think that's what Nietzsche tries to... He tries to speak from the perspective of someone who's outside and looking at all yes. these struggles of people that are inside. A lot of times he doesn't do that, but on these certain occasions, like where he makes these wild claims about truth, I think he does do that. And so I think I, he, he doesn't... He has this... Like, the great line, every philosophy conceals a philosophy, too. Every opinion is also a hiding place. Every word's a mask. Great. But that has to be yeah. true about you as well, right? Like, it has to yeah. be true about yes. you. And I think he doesn't, he doesn't see the way in which it's true about him at times in his thinking. And I think that's yeah. the—and and to me, it seems like it's at this perspectivalist time, and it's also at this will-to-power time, where he thinks of everything as the will-to-power except— his own analysis of the will to power, right? Like, yeah. like, he wants us to accept that life is precisely will to power as something that is true, right? Full stop, mm-hmm. right? That is true, that life yeah. is will to power. But wait a minute, why are you tell? i mean, it's a classic psychoanalytic question, right? Like, why are you telling me that life is the will to power, unless it's to— Convinced me that life is really not the will to power, but this some other thing, right? <laughs> right? Like, it's a, it's. A, that, that's yeah, funny. I mean, like, why are you telling me that life is the will to power? Like, there has to be. There's this question of the, his own problem has to be included into that statement. That is, he has I, to be I mean, telling that it, to us because of the will to power.
0: Yeah. No. This is. I mean, this is. Um. You're you're articulating what I think. My. I think what my response to to Hortzman would be, well, is, which is that, um, he, in not in, in occupying this space of like determining like that, well, there there like, there's no overriding truth, which like what kind, like there's not a, I think I've said this about Jean-Francois Leotard. Like what's a more overriding claim of truth than that, that there is no, over there's there's no overriding truth or connective truth. there's nothing bigger than to say that um but the problem is that like it as you're as you're laying out, occupying this position of meta language or this position of like of judgment is fine as long as you include yourself in it and it's it's not I don't think it's like um, I don't think we're being a Monday morning quarterback about this that like well, he should have just done this like it's in the text like it's the thing that I read about like the the it like what what is there's all this investment in consciousness and philosophers don't put enough in the unconscious he wouldn't phrase it that way he didn't have right. that but like he has this he has this it and i think it's the his his investment in precisely the claims that you know, Hortzman and other people like would defend him about, like it. it it's the, it's a precise way that he is invested in that, that prevents him from seeing what I think is the actual radical thing in what he's saying, which is that like, look, you people are ignoring the it. And then I'm not going to apply that to my own thought right. because you people are ignoring it because he's just too wrapped up. I think he's just too wrapped up in like what other people are doing and, and that, that this is wrong and this is wrong. And, and, and like, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if um, Nietzsche is perhaps uh, someone who inspires Freud to come up with the line, the narcissism of small differences, because I think that like, because Nietzsche is invested so much in like, in, in pointing out the flaws in people's systems, and just in the idea of systems itself, that he opens himself up to like these problems where actually his radicality lies, the thing that like actually would Threaten some of his other statements. And because he's wedded to this, like, there, either there is no truth or there are no context free truths, and not interrogating the position from which he himself is saying right. that, right. it pushes him away from again i'll just say it again his own radical insights which i think is this it and which is that like it's because it's even in the um the anti-anti-semitism thing where he includes himself in that critique that like he he fell victim to it and like that could have been another maybe that could have been a place where that would have been different from how freud would think about it uh in 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 certain senses but maybe that could have been a place to develop this it like this like or how he thinks of it does he think of this it as coming from the social this without that then comes to be within is that how he thinks of it because like it's possible possible you can see that you know but it's but i think again he he, because he's not because he is uh uh, doing this from a position of like like un uninterrogated judgment like he doesn't interrogate his own position and, and i think that is the that is this thing that, like, just keeps the full articulation of, like, I think what's really valuable in here just kind of left as dangling threads. I think that's what I Yeah, I think
1: that's true. I think that's true. I mean, I think, uh, so you're not speaking because of Frederick Nietzsche? Do you know what that's <laughs> from? No, I don't you think don't, so. You never saw Little Miss Sunshine?
0: Oh, I have seen yeah, it. I've totally. Yeah,
1: that's why right. Dwayne oh, that's Dwayne right. stops speaking, and then and then Steve, <laughs> Steve Carell says, "So you're not speaking because of Frederick Nietzsche." <laughs> it's like, yeah, go ahead.
0: Is this a thing? Because is the Nietzsche thing? That's a very American. Yeah, yeah,
1: he he's he, yeah, yeah he, they say Nietzsche all the time in the thing,
0: but Nietzsche. Yeah. I was gonna. I totally forgot this, but I was gonna begin this whole episode by saying. Uh, We've had a lot of uh, requests to talk about uh, Nietzsche. Of course, uh, Jack Nietzsche, (laughs) who is a producer uh, with uh, Phil Spector and uh, did a lot for the Rolling Stones. And so we're going to talk about his uh, history and then, you know, the things that happened to Spector and, like, is is he canceled? So anyway, that was going to be my That would have been a good one. Yeah, would have been if I did it a little bit better and if it was actually on time. Did you know know, why
1: Nietzsche was able to beat Novak Djokovic in a tennis match?
0: Why was Nietzsche because able? Because he had an eternal return. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I ask you? Should that be an eternal return serve, or does that? No, no, you
1: can't. The serve is the opposite. The serve is your return okay. is a return of serve. Okay. All right.
0: So, okay. Yeah, all right I see. Well, see. I don't understand right, tennis, right. and that's the. Yeah. So the joke really yeah, lost. Uh,
1: I needed to give a little bit more. Why is he able to return Djokovic's serve or something? I don't know.
0: But yeah. Anyway. Uh, why? Is but you can't have return, return in the part of the
1: jo- in the in the lead up to the joke. That's uh, yeah. No, you can't because you can't, can't repeat the word. Yeah,
0: you can't inc- Yeah, you can't repeat the punchline in the yeah. setup. It's just you it's can't an do absolute. It. It, it's, it, ru- it ruins ruins yeah, the effect. Yeah.
1: It's not an. It's a near. It's not an absolute law. I think, but it is a near
0: absolute law. No. Yeah. It's a near absolute law. Yeah. Not the. Uh, I think perhaps one that Nietzsche himself would. have. I think he would have liked it. And and
1: he. I I do want to say this on his behalf. He's funny. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I totally yeah. agree. I mean, he's a funny. You, you know, his funniest book is called H A Homo. It's a it's a it's a late later book, and and the chapter titles are like, "Why I Am So Brilliant," "Why I Such Say Such Incredible Things," and they're just they're, they're really funny. <laughs> he's is really he's funny. Yeah, I mean, he and he there is a connection to Freud. You know that he he was he wanted to become. He asked. I think it's true that that he that she tried and she rebuffed him he asked Lou Andreas Salome a famous intellectual mm. of the turn of the century to marry him and then mm. she then after he died she became freud's one of freud's closest friends so there was yeah. a real she's like she's the intellectual she also runs with roca she the, she's the real intellectual bridge from from nietzsche to freud nietzsche to yeah. freud yeah
0: that's yeah. fascinating i did not know yeah. that um yeah Wow. Yeah, that's re- uh, yeah. No, I think um on your on your point about him being funny, I do think it's in the pro. I do think it's in the pro. This is a thing that probably a, a, uh attracted Nietzsche to the person who want- who decided he was going yeah, yeah, to be yeah. when you know is that thing? Like this is like like I just want to put this out here. This is just early in the book. Now it is beginning to dawn on maybe five or six brains that physics too is only an interpretation and arrangement <sighs> of the world and not an explanation of the world. Like that's like I know. I know. <laughs> Maybe on five or six, bra- it's like that. That is funny because two or three is not funny. Three or four is not funny. Five or <laughs> six brains—that is funny, you know? know. And any more than that is not funny. It's too many. But five or six is is, is exactly exactly pitch perfect. Uh, and even the way he <laughs> begins
1: think. the book, right? Suppose the truth is a woman. What then? Right? Like, okay, this. He's yeah. he's very famously misogynist and this I think fits within that but there are also other ways yeah. to think about that right like he's playing on the misogynist image of woman as constantly changing and so he's that's what he's trying mm. to say what if truth is constantly changing then right we haven't understood that but then the next line is aren't there reasons for suspecting that all philosophers none of them have really understood women and 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 that's a as you pointed out to me that's a probably a dig at Kant who never yes. had a <laughs> girlfriend or a, a sexual partner. Although Nietzsche, interestingly, yeah. I don't know if this is the critical doxa anymore, but there, for a while, the idea was he maybe had went to a brothel once or twice and, or once maybe, and mm. the one visit he contracted syphilis. So he had, so whereas Cod well, had okay. sex zero times, each had sex one time and it was, he maybe, it would have been better if he didn't. <laughs> uh because there's an idea that he died that he goes crazy because of syphilis i don't think that it's it's, i don't know what the contemporary it kind of goes back and forth what the doxa is but i that for a long time that was the
0: critical doxa um isn't that the um isn't that one of the great lines the great comedy lines from succession That Tom says syphilis, you don't really hear so much about that anymore. It's really the MySpace of STDs. <laughs> I think that's the line.
1: That's a great, what a great <laughs> line! Yes, what a great line!
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: By the way, do yeah. not send us any either of us any emails about Succession because yeah, we're we, no, in the middle. Uh, well,
0: there, yeah, we're in the middle, and and there's going to be a Succession episode. Yeah. So that's so save all, save all for all for yeah. that. Um, so I think, um, th- what do you want to nail down as like the final words? This is, well, this is a final word for now. Cause we are of course, uh, open to doing another, uh, another one on another, another Nietzsche, Nietzsche book. book right. I think, like, yeah. Done... I think
1: that, I yeah. think th- I like your thing about this, these crucial oppositions in Nietzsche dialectics versus multiplicity, unconscious versus, uh, mastery, right? Uh,
0: yeah. Conscious mastery. Or conscious yeah. mastery.
1: And then will to power versus uh, something that's outside of the will to power right so like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so i think that that or, or will to power versus desire maybe that would be the other yeah. the other opposition yeah, i think good. and then and then i think also like uh anti-antisemitism versus elitism right like i think those two things yeah. are at yeah. odds with each other like he doesn't see the way in which to be critical of anti-Semitism is also to be critical of elitism but he doesn't he doesn't yes. he doesn't connect those two things together yeah. and, and you're right, right, right that right. my god adorno and uh, frankfurt school are unthinkable without nietzsche right like that's this is just yeah. right he, they just they're, they're like yeah. a let's add a dose of marx to nietzsche and then we'll come up with our philosophy right
0: yeah yeah no it's i mean yeah. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, like he's, uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, he's an important thing. This is why I wanted to talk about him. Uh, I think it was one of the more recent people to email us about him is that, um, the he just seems like an important thinker to have not come up. And so we explained the, uh, the, uh, per, the personal, um, petty reasons on on my part, I think the shame and embarrassment on yes. your part for why he hasn't, yes. for why he hasn't come up. Um, and so, hopefully, we've uh, uh, been able to, to address some of that and fold it into, uh, you know, the, the threads and, and lines of uh, argument and, and theorizing that you know we'd like to develop on on the show, and to show the kind of like the tensions that are in, uh, you know, Nietzsche's thought and within the way he's been received, uh, particularly recently, and to, you know, kind of pull, push, and pull yeah. against uh, yeah. a, against a little bit without. Of that. So, so not a full uh, so,
1: dismissal, but also not a full. Not a full embrace. embrace, right? Yeah, just a.
0: It's like a one armed one hug. hug. You know, like yeah, a, we gave, like we
1: the, gave each other like, one armed like, like, hug. That's really good, right? Yeah,
0: like a fiercely heterosexual one-armed, <laughs> uh, you know, between men hug. Kind of like our hugs. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of almost almost suspiciously like our hugs. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, where where uh, what's what's the I lesson think the about?
1: lesson is watch. We haven't named it yet. It's it's watch uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Which is the, one of the great...
0: No, I don't, have we not done that? I feel like we've totally done that. Oh,
1: well, then then I we got to go like, with uh, <laughs> with the other one, I guess. I don't think the we've done one? Little Miss Sunshine. I think that's the
0: one. I think for sure we have. Uh, but let, I want to hedge against it. Like So Little Miss Sunshine, no, no, we, I'm positive we okay, have. Okay,
1: maybe we have. Okay, so so I'm going to say watch day after tomorrow and and realize that they don't know what they're talking about, about Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> even though <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty good, good. movie. and Even though it's a nice egalitarian, it's about disaster and equality, really. So it's pretty good.
0: I mean, you know what the, I mean, the best thing about that movie is that because of climate uh, disaster, all the Americans try to jump the right. border to, to get, get into, into Mexico.
1: Mexico. Right. It's a great image. And, and you know. Dick Cheney has to beg yeah. the Mexican president to let him move down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty great. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay.
1: Over and out, Ryan.
0: Over and out, Todd.